Hey, Hobbs, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. Yep, I'm the guy that brought up the Mount Rushmore thing um, on Audio Dungeon. And I was just trying to point out the people that inspired me to start podcasting. And it was Anchor because until I heard about that, I I was under the impression that you needed all kinds of gear and technical know-how and stuff. I mean, you need to hear the other podcasters I I was listening to at the time talking about their setups and all this stuff, and it just seemed like it was insurmountable to some Yahoo like me. But then I found you other Yahoos who were just doing it on a phone, you and Colin and Tim and Larry, and it suddenly became accessible. So that's why I think it was important. Plus, you guys are good. See ya. It's a beautiful day in the gamerhood, a beautiful day for my gamers. Would you be one? Could you be one? It's out of that thunder, but don't despair. This colony's breeding great robbers. Would you be one? Could you be one? If the native mortality rate works for you For a few bucks a month you can sign up and have the hogs to you So let's make the most of another someday Brew up some coffee and play it my way Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my gamers? Won't you be? Won't you please? Please won't you be my gamers? Hello Screeders! Thanks to Rob C. from Down in a Heap starting us off today with his uh, call-in called Mount Yahoo. Uh, I don't even know if I gave my trilogy, but I know what I'm most fascinated with is how good the podcast sound. People are using Anchor. They take the information off of Anchor, and now they're using all sorts of things to affect it. And it's, They're not even using Anchor anymore, really, because they don't... I mean, I used to. I know Colin used to do his editing on Anchor, but the app has never been the easiest to use. It's just been convenient. I know Tenkar, uh, James Spahn, Tim Short. A lot of people started using Anchor after I did. Eric Frankhouse was definitely the one who told me about it. It's fascinating, though. It's a cool thing, and I'm really glad that other people started using it. Uh, I'm slowly getting back into listening to podcasts and getting great call-ins from people, and uh, it's uh, enjoyable. It makes the drive less lonely, and I'm not always calling my wife to talk to her about work. So, I mean, I'm sure she appreciates that, and I know that I appreciate y'all. I think I had some other things to talk about, but I don't know. (laughs) What I do know today is Thursday, Thirsty Thursday, August 11th, 2022. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Hey, Hobbs, Aaron Clark. Uh, Thanks for the episode on social combat. Some interesting ideas there. I'm excited to see what you end up doing there, even if it's just a brainstorm. Hey, I don't know if you remember, Courtney Campbell did a uh, a, um, a booklet on the NPC. And in that booklet, he's got a bit on social combat. 
maybe take a look at it, maybe give you some inspiration. I've I've tried to incorporate it, but it's a little bit complicated and I need to parse through it to sort of better apply it. I've been using the Arneson dice, thanks to inspiration from you, uh, to do social combat stuff, uh, big paint with big broad strokes in the fiction. I've been using the reaction table, paint with big broad strokes in the fiction. Um, so yeah, keep on keeping on. Uh, miss ya. Let's play more games. There you go. Aaron Clark, my sober brother, my companion in Abstentia. Appreciate you calling in. I miss you too, sir. You're doing such a great job keeping the gaming going with all the great players that you got. Um, I envy that. I wish that I could make more games. And it's awesome that you are doing the Arnesonian Dice. That was my uh, offer for uh, Arnesonian month and um, just my way of using it. I remember that sleep and dream-filled haze as I wrote down the table and the rules for how to use the Arnesonian dice and the way I would do it. And I think that's a fantastic idea. It still works. It's still great. In fact, I'm kind of using a piece of that for the Western game that I'm writing, formerly known as Good Intentions, formerly known as Guns of Abaddon, and now the working title, The Devil's Own. Thanks again for calling in, Aaron. Uh, I wouldn't mind hearing maybe some longer details about how you're doing it for social combat. I like the idea um, I actually did a video following that Griftlands game that I mentioned that's super old, so a lot of people are probably more familiar with it than I am, but that whole concept of having a different set of hit points being one being resolve, one being health, health is used for combat, resolve is used for social interaction. Um, I really like that. I think just like any time you could know how much way how many ways do you have of healing resolve and perhaps that would make you you know stop a, a social conflict before you're completely out of resolve just because you know that you're gonna need it throughout the just think man if your character and now you could have PC to PC interactions through resolve to get things that you want no more necessarily rolling the dice to get the magic items there's just a lot of really really cool things you could do and actually have foils and arguments between characters without it just being, oh, I'm going to kill the thief. You know, you don't have to do that. And you could use these these mechanisms in order to give that talk about immersive. I know that it's an abstracted methodology, but I mean, we use abstracted methodology for our combat as well, and we can still make it fun and immersive. So why not social conflict as well? I don't know. I don't know. But fortunately for screeders such as y'all, we know the difference between waxing and waning now. Hey, Jason, the other Jason here. As far as waxed and waned goes, waxing is when it increases and waning is when it decreases. So typically you'd use it, you know, something waxes and wanes, that means it rises and then it falls. As far as the showdown mechanics or stare down mechanics, you know, before gunfight, 
I still owe you that, so I, I will get that to you. Um, actually, supposed to be helping my wife right now, and I'm hiding to send you this message, but I, I need to get out there and do my husbandly duties and quit being a slacker. So I will get that to you, but it'll be later on today. There felt like there was so much more to that call-in from Jason Connerly of Nerds RP Variety Cast than what we got. He's hiding from his wife to not do his husbandly duties. <laughs> I feel like he's wearing a diaper and a Batman cowl. And <laughs> his wife has her Harley Quinn outfit on. All right, all right. I probably shouldn't do that, but this is amongst friends, so hopefully everyone realizes that's just how my mind works sometimes. I know I'm sick. I know I got issues. But we're going to hear more about the dual mechanics that Jason mentions in our next segment, The Other Screed. Well, I found some of my Western games. And I look back to look for some kind of showdown mechanic. I'm not overly thrilled with what I saw. There are different things in different games. Some of them do a roll-off to give you an initiative bonus. Some do other things. Um, Burning Wheel has an interesting mechanic where you could do like a contest to steal where you might have the other party, you know, the other the loser might hesitate a few seconds, which actually would be thematically appropriate. The Savage World, when you have like in Deadlands and, and their games can work, but it can be a little bit long and drawn out. So, which maybe you could use, it would be okay for a gunfight, but it, I I don't know. Do you, do you really want to sit there while one player and the GM go back and forth doing cards, which kind of is something you were talking about in the previous episode? So I think I'm going to have to offer you my own house rule for this. So I want two things to be taken in effect. I also want the dueling mechanic to go fairly quickly. I don't want it to be drawn out like Savage Worlds. So I think you need to take in effect the charisma bonus and the reputation of each character. Reputation in OSR could easily be handled by level. And that's going to simulate in movies where somebody's going up against a well-known gunfighter and they're worried about going up against a well-known gunfighter and that puts doubt in their mind, right? And the second thing we need to do is simulate whether each person in the duel is going to emphasize speed or they're going to emphasize accuracy. So what you're going to do is, in looking at it from an OSR point of view, you have the charisma modifier plus the level plus a D10 roll. So Butch, whose charisma is minus one and he's level six, is going to add five to his D10 roll. Jonah, whose charisma modifier is plus two, and he's also level 6, is going to have plus 8 to his D10 roll, right? So you're going to make the two rolls, you subtract the highest from the lowest, and then that negative modifier, you know, so if Butch has a 9 total and Jonah has 11 total, then it's a minus 2 is your, your number you get from that. So when you roll initiative for that round of the duel, when they actually pull the guns out, Butch is going to have a minus two to his to his initiative because he lost. And then the other thing you're going to do, and this part I'm taking straight out of Shotguns and Saddles RPG, 
you're going to, each character will secretly take their, well, not secretly, but on their own, hidden from the other player, will take their initiative bonus and their to hit bonus, and they're going to add them together. And that number, then they're going to write down how they want to divide that up between those two things. So if Butch has an initiative bonus of plus one and a to hit bonus of plus three, then he he has four points he can divide. He can either put four points in initiative to draw fast. He can put four points into his to hit bonus to be accurate, or he can divide any way he wants. He can, he can take those points and just put them wherever he wants. Same with the other character. And then that's revealed, you know, once both players say, okay, I divide up my points, and that's revealed, you roll initiative, then you make the attacks. It sounds more complicated than it is, actually. It, it actually would work out pretty smoothly. That way, you would have the stare down with the initial part, which would affect their initiative, and then you would let them allot points to emphasize speed or accuracy. And then for the round of the duel itself, you would roll initiative, for each player with that modification from the stare down and then modify it by their, their thing and see who goes first. And then you, you know, just determine it now in saddles and, or I'm sorry, in, um, shotguns and saddles, they also have the showdown damage being higher damage than normal, which I like. So I'm going to also describe that mechanic and then I'll end the series of calls. They have a defense number in, the shotguns and saddles game and and what they do is they figure a margin of success. So they have a table and the number you, you beat the defense number by the higher you beat the defense number, which is the hit number, the more damage you're going to do in a duel only. And I like that. So I would use that and I probably lift that same table directly over. So if you, if you just match the, the hit number and it'd be the AC for, you know, OSR game, it would do normal damage. If you beat it by one, it would hit them in the leg. Normal damage, movement is halved. Um, two arm, normal damage, minus one to the next round's attack for that character. Uh, three, you hit them in the gun hand, normal damage, but the gun is shot out of their hand, 1d20 feet away. A number four is a gut shot, multiply the damage by two. Five is a chest wound, multiply damage by three, and six or higher over the AC or over the hit number they needed. Between the eyes, you instantly kill them. And I think if you're going to do a duel, you need to have that instant kill capability. And I don't care if you're 20 level, 20th level character. If you're doing the stare down, you're doing a duel, like in a Western, you need to have a chance to shoot this guy dead. And that would be one of the reasons you'd put all those extra points into accuracy, because it's going to increase the chance that you're going to get that one-shot kill on the character. So those are my recommendations for showdown rules. Sorry I was so verbose and took many calls to get them across to you. All right. What do you guys think about the other screed today? We were gifted with Jason Connerly's of the Nerds RPG Variety Casts. Dueling rules, obviously more specific to uh, a Western game. In Dead MOI with Eastern girls and Western boys. Um, yeah, I think it's cool. I like the idea to give you some more tactical thoughts and options concerning, you know, taking the bonus to initiative or to damage. That's nice. 
for some systems that have damage that like hit point bloat or something I don't know and that's never going to be enough to kill them outright probably but I think in a western game should your hit points really go up that much or do you just get better at killing not necessarily surviving I don't know that's cool I was planning on using low fantasy gaming as a chassis and I kind of like the idea of a willpower basically uh, competing roles of willpower basically I'm saying basically quite a bit you would I would use the since there's four categories of success and failure so any re, four resolution options so you would roll and you're gonna use and you could even make uh, you could use intimidation probably if you wanted to or make up a skill on its own so in this system if you don't have the skill then you just use the roll but if you do have the skill then you can use your roll plus one and so your target number so say your willpower is a 10 if you know you're in the duel and you're using intimidation uh, both characters willpower is 10 you would have you would roll and whoever gets the lowest if it would be a great success that would be half a 10 so five or under a success would just be 10 to 6 a failure would be 10 to 14 uh, or maybe 10 to 15 not 10 11 to 15 I think and then 16 to 20 would be a total failure so you have four degrees of success slash failure there of resolution and then you would compare those and depending on where you are then that would give you your options and then you could use those points you know if you decided to hit the leather but now what that fails to do with your system is is you don't have that increasing tension and I understand you want it to be fast but at the same time I wouldn't mind emulating that so what I would do is then give the players the option I would ask one player are you going to draw no are you going to draw no now we do it again and the stuff stacks so it stacks on again and then we do the same thing and we keep on going until both one or the other player says they're drawing and now we make our roll and then that's what happens that's what what's going on that's what the outcome of the duel was and now I understand that could affect some other people but I mean how long does it really take to say so we're our rolling each time for the willpower but I'm in the actual role for the initiative slash combat which is kind of my preliminary thought process and like if you have the skill like if the skill was intimidation or if it was you know dueling or something like that then you could uh, re use your reroll pool and you'd get a plus one. So instead of 10 or less, you're trying to roll an 11 or less, and then that'll shift you know, your resolutions uh, as far as that goes. And now in um, the Devil's Own, the next mechanic is going to be these die sixes that you get that you can add, but you can, own, you can add as many of them as you want, but you only get the outcome of one of them. And if you roll maximum on one of the D6s, then, you know, you get the Devil's Own Mark, which then has uh, both good and bad consequences, depending on what you're trying to do. Anyhow, that's getting into a lot more, but, I mean, that's how I like mechanisms that interact with each other, and that would be a cool thing to do. So, anyhow, thanks so much for calling in, everyone. Much appreciation. Good to hear from Rob, Aaron, Jason. I think that's it thanks for listening i mean 
I guess the episode's not over. Let's get to the main event. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sat nav man. Random screed, random screed. Don't know what you get, but it's what you need. Alright, mostly I wanted to do a Thursday recap of what I've been doing in the gaming-wise. Mentally, I feel good. If you listen to Nerds RPG Variety Cast, you heard me call in there recently talking about we cannot... I guess it's stoicism. I don't know if that's where I got it from or what, but we cannot control how others act nor react we can only control how we act and react so i'm doing a good job of keeping that in perspective and you know stay in the line man stay in the line trying to get completely out of debt get a get a place to retire so all i can do is run write games and do podcasts and everything else that'll be my life and you guys will be there with me hopefully most of you are still alive <laughs> uh, I'm sure you guys are all going to outlive me but uh, anyway I wanted to mention um, that I was on a podcast this week um, on Monday it's called This Old Dungeon with Luau Lu uh, Bill Barsh of Pace Setter Games and um, my buddy Edwin Naji. Nagy, Nagy, Nagy. I always mispronounce it. And why is it that some names, you had them in your head a certain way and you were never quite able to figure it out and you mess it up every time? Why is that? I love Edwin, but I still can't commit it to memory how I say his name. There's some things in my brain that I just can't fix. Like in sales, when... You only when it's a two-legger you have a couple of some sort and you're only dealing with one leg one of the pieces of the couple and uh, the other one isn't there so it's very very difficult to close the sale it's called a one-legger but I always want to call it a two-legger and no matter how many times my uh, sales manager corrects me and tells me that it's a one-legger I still want to call it a two-legger so Edwin however you pronounce your last name sorry about that Edwin also has played in quite a few games at the Gamerhood, and he is currently playing in Elliot's uh, Valley of the Unicorn, or Valley of the Unicorn, Valley of the Manicor game on Thursday nights. So we don't record that or anything, but I can just tell you it's happening. What I thought I might do is recap a few games and, and tell you what I'm playing and what characters they are and all that. So, like I said, I was on this old dungeon, and uh, it's a podcast where they take an old dungeon, review it, sort of, and then talk about how they would fix it. But it was super long. I have no idea how much they're going to edit in or out, but expect that to be coming out today or sometime this week. All right, that was Monday. And then on Tuesday, I had the joy and uh, possibility... uh, I felt lucky and good that I could play in the inaugural session of the Ash Coast, which is Taylor of Cleric's Wear Ringmail fame, his OD&D plus chainmail game. Uh, There were three players. Uh, I'm playing a character called Taganus, a chaotic fighting man 
and we chose to explore the uh, bronze ziggurat. Uh, we're using foundry and this is the first time Taylor's using foundry. I got the joys of feeling what it's like to have the GM fiddling with all of his streaming stuff plus fiddling with a new application, a new VTT. VTT? VTT. Yeah, there's two T's in there. Oh my goodness. And uh, that wasn't the greatest. So we got started late. Plus we had that stuff going on. I didn't know the other two guys. One is old Jeff or something like that and Ozarker their names and the way they act I expected them to look much older and sound much older when I heard their voices or saw their faces but they're not that old they're part of that young Pete reddit breeding old school wannabe dudes who weren't really alive during the old school but that does not make them any more vehement or emphatic on their belief in the old school method of playing games so don't think that I'm disparaging them or uh, anyone for not being from that view of games because I'm not. I don't care. Play however you want to. It doesn't affect me. Uh, I'm fine with whatever you're doing. But regardless, we got to play this game. Um, I kind of like the way Taylor hasn't really decided exactly what the system is and so he's just using bits and pieces and feeling more than happy to define what they all are later if he if he needs to but uh, so character generation wasn't as easy as it can be in some games but we got her done and we got to play we got to explore this weird ziggurat and uh, we snuck up on some cultists and the rest as they say is history we survived succeeded we we're the first people from uh, the flotilla I do have to say I really like all the flavor that uh, Taylor has worked in. I wish there was a way for me to know more about it, but even if there was like a big document, I probably wouldn't read it because I'm a slacker. Um, regardless, it was a good time. If you have the opportunity and you want to play, I feel like he's kind of wanting to doing it as an open table West slash West Marches game. I'm not positive, but that's my impression we'll see the next time that uh, a game is happening and I can continue to tell you of the exploits of my guy Taganus, the fighting man uh, tomorrow oh no, tonight is uh, Valley of the Manicor with Elliot, I'm playing with Edwin uh, Robert Nemeth, also known as Nolabert um, Taylor is in that game and Craig Brasco, also in that game. So a star-studded lineup. Uh, we're having a good time. Right now we're poised to uh, see if we can clear out the shrine that was uh, in, is currently inhabited by a cave troll. Yeah, we're playing OSE, and yeah, we're first level. Uh, during the last session, we have... I mean, I hope this may have some spoilers for the adventure. I don't really know. But we're hanging out in the fort, which is supposedly kind of our safe area in the valley. And uh, we wanted to decide. There's been like these 
I don't know, conflicting reports about the Mana Core and what we expect the Mana Core to be like. And uh, we tried to draw the Mana Core in and see what we could do. I am playing my character, Alad, who is a member of uh, the Cult of Ouroboros, uh, the snake that eats itself. He believes in the cycle of life, hates undead. And um, he actually has been really competent in the campaign so far first level still, but uh, I still jumped from cover and cast light on the Mana Core's eyes and blinded it, and so we got a few good licks in before it flew off. Um, so yeah, that happened. That was fun, and now, like I say, the session starts with us uh, deciding if we're going to fight the troll or not. We've done a lot of talk about it. I feel like we're trying to chase it out of there. A lot certainly wants to take, take the shrine back over and start using it to proselytize to the other members of the fort that they should be worshipping Ouroboros. You know, he wants to uh, hand out some blood-red Bernouses and, you know, get people involved in the Red Cult. For sure. Why wouldn't he? Right? Other than that, I think that's all we got. I'm still trying to cook up some uh, interviews for Hobbs and Friends and I ha Kalmata is back on the menu. So you know as well as I know, it's time for high adventure. Until then, stay alive. You got a job to do. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Take it away, TJ.